plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is finally here. It's game day in Minneapolis. September 11th, 2017, episode 265. Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels, your hosts. Week one, Vikings, Saints. It's finally here, Sage. It is finally here. We got to watch a lot of football yesterday. The appetizer for what should be a pretty exciting Monday night football battle between Minnesota and New Orleans. How was your Sunday of football viewing? Uh, my Sunday was was great. Uh, watched plenty of football yesterday. Watched the majority of that born uh, Sunday night game last night yeah. between the uh, Giants and the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, and uh, obviously we're off and running. There were some prize, the, there were some prizes out there, and then there were some uh, things that seemed about right. Uh, so um, it, it was a not a super exciting first week of football. Um, I, I believe I think I, I saw a stat. I believe last year, the first uh, week of the season, the average point differential was five or six points, and I think yesterday was something more like 14 or 15 points uh, as far as average uh, uh, differential in a win or loss. So not a lot of exciting games yesterday and not a lot of exciting matchups either. Well, believe it or not, and, and I think the stat was that I saw there were only two games decided by one possession. One of them was Steelers and Browns, and I think that was sort of a late touchdown by Cleveland, but then I'm not yeah. sure they even got the ball back. That The most exciting game was Atlanta-Chicago. Chicago had that play in the red zone at the end to win it, and Mike Glennon got sacked. But uh, believe it or not, the Bears actually gave the Falcons a pretty good run. They covered the spread in that game. Falcons emerged victorious. Mike Glennon made two throws that uh, were both drops at the end of that game that would have been either touchdowns or right there at the foot yard line. So um, he sort of did his part uh, in that in that game to possibly upset the defending Super Bowl runner-up. And uh, But, you know, that, that's the difference between teams that have been there and done it and, and have a tradition of winning, which right now the Atlanta Falcons do, and teams like the Chicago Bears who have been been ending the, you know, their, their division third or fourth uh, for the most part over the course of the last decade. Three pitiful performances yesterday in my eyes. Tell me which of the three you think is most shocking. Uh, Cincinnati lays an egg at home, shut out. Andy Dalton with four picks and a 20-0 loss to Baltimore. Then Houston in that emotional game at home against Jacksonville couldn't protect their quarterbacks. And I say quarterbacks because they made a switch at halftime. Calais Campbell had four sacks in that game for the Jaguars, I think. And then the Colts just get lambasted in Los Angeles by the Rams and the upstart Jared Goff. Uh, of the Colts, Bengals, and Texans, which 
egg that was laid surprised you most? Well, I thought you were going to say the New York Giants. I thought that was probably the worst egg laid of the. Yeah, it was the pretty bad too. Weekend. That was runner-up for and sure. They scored three points. They uh, this is the team that made the playoffs last year. One of the best defenses in the league. They've, you know, they've got three great receivers. Obviously, Odell Beckham did not play in that football game. But I think the overriding uh, similarity pr- between pretty much all of these teams: bad offensive line play. I mean, the Giants' offensive line is absolutely terrible. Uh, the Texans' offensive line, they're missing Dwayne Brown, their left tackle, who's holding out. Uh, and they, and they, seem to, they seem to hold the ball a lot with Texans. They seem to have a lot of routes that go pretty far down the field. They don't get the ball out very quickly, very often. Uh, so it seems like the quarterback's always being harassed uh, on that team over the course of the last you know, three or four years since O'Brien has been there. Uh, I did not have a chance to see that Cincinnati game. Uh, but they, I know their offensive line is not as good as it used to be. And I think that defense has, has just gotten worse and worse the last few years since Mike Zimmer, since Mike Zimmer uh, uh, left that team to become the Vikings head coach. That used to be one of the best defenses in the league, despite the fact that it seems like Cincinnati never spends any money uh, on, uh, on, on their players. And yet Mike Zimmer was a, such a good defensive coordinator, which is why he has the Vikings head coaching job. So I think the overriding similarity between all these teams uh, is poor offensive line play, which makes you know the offenses and the quarterbacks look really bad. Yeah, it's a great point, especially in Cincinnati's case because they had those two big free agents, uh, Kevin Whitworth. Uh, no, Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. Kevin Andrew Zeitler. Whitworth. Yeah. Yep, yep. Those two guys left in free agency, which really killed Cincinnati. But no, the um, you make a good point about the Giants because I watched most of that game, and yeah, you're right. It was really bad. Eli had no time to throw, and they showed a stat on NBC. Something like the last seven games going back into like week 11 of last year, the Giants have not scored 20 points. They have not scored 20 points, and that's, that string continues. And with all the offensive weapons they have, even without Odell Beckham Jr., they, they drafted a, a great tight end in Evan Engram. They brought in Brandon Marshall. Marshall was basically a no-show last night. Yeah. I, pretty much the only time I saw him was when the ball was thrown a couple of yards behind him. I, I don't know if he had any media. He have a catch last night. I, I didn't watch the entire game, but uh, he, you know, that, I, I think he still has plenty left in the tank. And it just seemed, you know, they can't run the football and they can't throw it deep, so it ends up being all this short stuff. And then when when defenses know you can't protect and throw it deep, they just sort of pack everything in there, and the windows get really really small. And and uh, Eli couldn't find. Uh, his receivers in those small windows with all those underneath routes, you know, slants and flats and, and little five-yard outs. The, when, when the defense knows you're not going to go vertically deep on them, they will just sit at that five- to seven-yard uh, mark and, and just jump every route. And uh, you could see that, you know, it's amazing how, how good NFL defenses are when the other team doesn't have a good offensive line. They can really take advantage of all those weaknesses. It was actually just a terrible day for your former teams yesterday, Sage, because we, we talked about the Giants. We talked about the Texans. The Dolphins got hurricaned out of a game. And uh, the Redskins, the Redskins lost on. They lost on, at home. Yeah, yeah, they did lose at home. And did you see the play where Cousins got strip sacked at the very end? And it, it seemed like his arm was going forward. Did you see that the very end of that? Game? Yeah, that that really surprised me. I, I thought they would call that an incomplete pass. I don't know if the ball was still in his hand. Obviously, he was throwing it. And the ball was right at the sort of the release point um, of that throwing motion. And to me, I mean, the fact that that's a fumble but somehow 
the the tuck rule fumble from you know 15 years ago, whenever that was, wasn't a fumble. I don't even know what the rules are anymore, but that to me seemed like that was a uh, that was a pass. Yeah, seemed like that to me. Yep, not I, a fumble. I thought so too, and th- and that stopped a potential go ahead winning drive there for Cousins, who did not play well. The the Redskins didn't play well at all in that game, and probably didn't deserve to win. Good for the Eagles winning on the road. That's a big step for Carson Wentz and company. The and, Eagles, I, I think they may have, for the teams that did not make the playoffs last year, they probably have the most one of the most impressive resumes. I believe they beat five playoff teams last year. Uh, so they're one of those teams that has the ability and the talent um, to to you know play with anybody in the league. Uh, they probably just need more consistency, and I'm sure having the quarterback going from year one to year two will help with that. Some big performances from yesterday. Matt Ryan had the most passing yards of anybody yesterday, 321. Uh, LaShawn McCoy had a 100-yard rushing game. So did Ezekiel Elliott. Leonard Fournette, the rookie for Jacksonville, had a 100-yard performance. The Jaguars look pretty good. And, you know, if they can sack the quarterback a billion times and get a 100-yard rushing performance, uh, you know, week-by-week basis from Leonard Fournette, that's going to cover up a lot of the deficiencies that Blake Bortles uh, allegedly has. Well, their defense is pretty good. They have built that thing over the course of the last three or four years. They've drafted a lot of players there. They've signed uh, you know, really good defensive linemen like Campbell. Uh, that's an underrated defense. The problem is in the past they've been on the field so much because their offense uh, has been so pathetic. So they, they play, that was a very unusual game yesterday. They played a Houston's Texans team that you know, had been moved all over, practiced up in Dallas for four or five days. You know, came back home to, to the city of Houston, which had been through the hurricane. Uh, you know, they, they don't have their left tackle. They, they change out their quarterback at halftime. Uh, that, that, that team sort of, be, sort of felt like they were in sort of disarray going into the game. And, and I, I feel like a game like that, you're going to get one or the other. Either a team that's going to play unbelievably uh, passionate and close uh, and, and maybe, you know, beat a team they shouldn't beat or – um, just all the, the I's aren't dotted and the T's aren't crossed and, and the, the team doesn't look very good. And that's how the, the Texans looked yesterday. And, and, but hats off to, hats off to those Jaguars that uh, they played much better. And in that division, hands down the weakest division in football, right? I mean, the, the mm-hmm. Titans are pretty good. Uh, they should be good, but they're 0-1. The, uh, the, the Colts are terrible uh, on every aspect. I don't know if Andrew Luck, uh, would be much of a big help. I mean, maybe he gets them to five or six or seven wins, but uh, he's not leading that team to ten wins this year. Uh, and I was the Texans aren't very good, so you never know. That 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 uh, AFC South is very very weak, and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that everyone sort of made fun of during the preseason, is is uh, in first place. Yeah, that's the division the Vikings played last year. They went three and one in those games. Now they've got a tougher tougher division to play this year in the AFC North. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Uh, let's talk about the NFC North, more specifically the Vikings. The Vikings and Saints tonight, you know, I wrote uh, an article this morning about 
the Saints' defense. A lot of people want to talk about the Saints' offense, but the defense is the thing that's really held them back the past several years. They've had a league-leading offense, essentially, and a bottom-of-the-barrel defense, and they got much, much younger this offseason. So young, in fact, that their projected starters are less than 25 years of age on average. That's probably the youngest defense in the NFL. So they've got all these new faces, new linebacking core. They've got new cornerbacks, big first-round pick, Marshawn Lattimore. They're trying to run, you know, these new schemes with Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator. How do you think a new defense gets implemented with so many young guys, so many new faces? Do you think it's uh, it's tough to get those guys to, to do the right things on every down? Does that weaken the potential of a defense when you just have so much newness? It's hard. You know, defense is you, you like to have a nice mix of young and old. You know, usually the young guys are, are the better of the athletes uh, than the guys that are, you know, 30 plus years old. Uh, but you have to have that sort of that older defense, uh, you know, leadership, you know, to get not just get players lined up, um, but to just understand all the situations. There's a lot of situations that happen on defense um, that, uh, that that comes down to good veteran leadership. And when you're so young, you don't have those any, any of those experiences. But uh, there also means they're probably very athletic defensively. Uh, uh, just raw, but probably very athletic and, and guys that can probably rush the passer and guys that uh, can chase, um, but they're not going to have the, the savvy you know, type of guys that uh, uh, just really understand what offensive concepts uh, are trying to do. And uh, that's advantage to the, to the Vikings who uh, you know, need to have a, a, they need to have some sort of offensive production in this game. I, I really hope they don't just win this. I mean, we obviously hope they win the game, but, you know, 13 to seven, it would be a great win, but it'd be nice to see that Vikings offense uh, score some points being that this is one of the weaker defenses they should play this year. Yeah. And the Vikings really retooled their offense, but they didn't have much to show for it in the preseason. On the other hand, even though it is preseason, the Saints actually had a very nice performance defensively in the preseason. I think they had the third fewest points allowed all preseason. They bring in Manti Teo. They bring in A.J. Klein. They draft Alex Anzalone, uh, Marcus Williams, a bunch of young guys. Really, the core of their team is the defensive line with Cameron Jordan, the oldest guy in that starting lineup, 28 years old. And they've got Sheldon Rankins, the former first-round pick, playing in there at tackle they don't have Nick Fairley because he's out with a heart condition. But I think the Vikings line, if there is a strength of the Saints defense, it's the defensive line. And the Vikings offensive line will have a test tonight. And it's the first time this unit has played all together all season because they never had Reef at the same time they had Remmers and they never, you know, Boone was in there and now he's gone. This is still a new look unit for the Vikings. And that's got to be a concern for Vikings fans. Of course it is. You know, you, you like to think that you sign these guys in the off season and you draft a, a center uh, that, uh, and, and you had a veteran in Boone on that team that you sort of had that line figured out and, and locked in at least for week one. Uh, and, and you never know, as obviously as the season goes on, when guys get injured or, or whatever happens. But um, this Vikings line still seems to be a, uh, a work in progress, I, I guess is a, a phrase you could call it. They're still trying to figure out who they are, what they are, what the exact lineup's going to be, and uh, and we shall see. I bet I might. I would not. I would not be surprised if this is sort of an evolving uh, beast uh, throughout the year uh, as thing goes on with not just injuries, but if you know somebody's not playing well or a couple guys aren't playing well, that they start trying you know some of these backups uh, on the team. All right, let me just shoot a couple over-under lines at you for tonight's game, and we'll, we'll see where you stand. Dalvin Cook, 
Over under 100 all-purpose yards. I'd like to say over. Uh, I think if, if I think this this offense will go a lot by the way Cook goes because that, and I like how you said all-purpose, not just rushing. I think he's the guy they can throw the ball to on screens or or just in pass patterns. That could be a difference maker. He's got that sort of scat back mentality uh, as well as being just a good uh, eye back out of the back uh, out of the backfield to hand the ball off to. So. Um, I hope he's the over. That would be, uh, I, I would think that's a Vikings win. Vikings sacks from their defense over under Saints sacks from their defense. Oh, I think the Vikings will have more uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that they will, uh, the Saints will probably throw the ball more than the Vikings because of Drew Brees. And uh, that's, this is going to come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, sacks, a lot of times, people don't realize is a fourth quarter stat in, in many ways. Who's up and who's down? Uh, and when a team's down by, say, 10 points in the fourth quarter, uh, that defense can really pin their ears back and just go and not worry about the run so much. And uh, so that, that, that stat's going to be based off of who's winning, uh, if anyone's winning by a touchdown or two going into the fourth quarter. And uh, hopefully that's the Vikings. You could probably uh, chalk this up to a fourth quarter stat as well. Drew Brees over under 300 passing yards. I'm going to go with the over on that. Uh, he's playing in a dome, uh, first game of the year against a defense that's not super complex. It's a very good defense. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers struggled with the Vikings so much last year, but uh, they seem to know how to throw up 300 yards uh, in the snow. So playing in the dome, first game of the year, Drew Brees won't be too big for him. I can see him throwing for 300 yards even if they lose the game. Adrian Peterson, over under half a touchdown. I'm going to say over. I think if they get inside the three or four yard line, uh, 28's come in the ball game. I think Sean Payton knows that that would be a huge boost to that team. They want to get Adrian a touchdown in his return to U.S. Bank Stadium. I tend to agree with you on that just because I think they understand the emotion and they, they also – they're probably not going to pass the ball in there in that short yardage situation, and they wouldn't expose Adrian then in a, in a pass-protecting situation. I'm super intrigued to see if they do ask Adrian to pass block at all, if the Vikings really go at him, if they bring Barr and Kendricks in the A-gap and force Peterson to pick them up in an assignment. That's going to be the chess match because the Vikings know Peterson's weaknesses. I think Mike Zimmer would not hesitate to throw the kitchen sink in Peterson and force him to identify the coverage. Yeah, not surprising. Uh, this, this would definitely be a game when 28's in the game to throw out your more confusing blitzes. Uh, they do a great one with the double-A gaps, and, and Harrison Smith is up near the line of scrimmage, usually on the weak side, away from the tight end. And uh, that, that, de that defense can turn into a basically a cover-two defense, um, and it also can be a, a blitzing defense from, from sort of four different spots. Uh, the two linebackers, the, the, the sort of the Sam or the nickel Sam who's walked out, and then Harrison Smith. So uh, that's a more confusing one, and you have to have a running back who can scan and, and figure out uh, and work with the offensive line and the quarterback to who's got who, and that might be a good opportunity for, for, for the Vikings to get an easy sack. Okay, official prediction time. I want to predict tonight's result – I also want to predict the season record. We have to get that on, on tape somehow. So let's start with the season record. Where do you think this team ends up through 16 games? Go ahead and go first. Uh, what's your gut say? Uh, I got 8-8. Eight eight. I, I think it's an 8-8 eight eight football team. Uh, I think this division is tougher 
Uh, Detroit's a good team. I think the Bears are better. Um, and I don't know if the Vikings are much better. I, I love their defense, but their offense is a huge concern. And, and as I scout all these NFL teams this year, the teams that have the weakest offensive lines, uh, you've really got to – I struggle to put them in the playoffs. And after week one, man, the Giants look bad. The Seahawks' offensive line look bad, and that's got to be very concerning. And I don't know if the Vikings are any better offensively on the offensive line uh, than, than, those, than those couple teams. You know, I'm even a notch more pessimistic, and our listeners are probably going to hate us, but I'm saying seven and nine. And here's my logic. I think people would prefer to optimistically look back at last year and say, well, the five and0 Vikings, those are the real Vikings, and the three and eight finish, that was a fluke. Well, I think it's the opposite. I feel like the five and0 start was based on an unsustainable number of kick return touchdowns, of interceptions. Uh, and the three and eight finish seemed to expose a lot of the weaknesses that I think have also perhaps carried into this season. And they've tried to address them. They've done the work to try to bring in a, a rejuvenated running game and a new offensive line. But I think that is going to take some time to gel. Now, unfortunately, the Vikings aren't in position to capitalize on what I think is, is an easier front half of the schedule. I think that if, if this team was squared away right now, I think they could start five and three or six and two, but I just, they're not cohesive enough yet to do that. And then the schedule gets really tough at the end. They've got a three game road trip mixed in there after Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving, I think. And I've got this team winning just seven games. Unfortunately, I would love to be proven wrong because it's always more fun for us to talk about a winner, but just based on the last 11 games last year and some of the issues we saw in preseason manifesting themselves, I cannot pick this team to make the playoffs right now. Maybe tonight's result will change that. And now in light of what we ju- we've just said, Sage, what do you think happens tonight? Uh, I think the Vikings do get a win tonight. Uh, I really do. Um, but I, I agree with you that you know you and I both uh, don't feel super optimistic that the preseason hasn't really given us um, a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this season. I know it's just the preseason, but you like to see some change uh, from from last year to this year, and it doesn't seem like we've seen that. Uh, obviously, you and I would love to be discussing playoff games and those types of things in uh, in January. But uh, I just don't think that's going to be the case this year. And, and um, But we shall see. Hopefully the Vikings prove us wrong. You know we're Vikings fans, but we're also realists, and they just don't seem like they have a type of team uh, that could really challenge in the NFC North this season. I am going to go Vikings 24, Saints 21 tonight. I think the Saints will have a few issues offensively uh, being on the road. They They seem to be a much better home team offensively. Their splits on the road aren't quite as good, even though it's a dome. Yes, I'm counting on the Saints defense to make a couple of errors that result in explosive plays. The Vikings did not create many explosive plays last year, and I'm counting on them to expose some of those rookies on the back end of that defense and try to uh, get the ball downfield to Diggs and or Thielen for a couple game breakers. And I think they sneak out of there with a win tonight. And maybe that'll change the trajectory of the season. We'll see. I said the, the front half's easier, but they still have Pittsburgh next week, and, and the Bucks may be well improved. So every game provides its own set of challenges. So uh, I'm going 24-21. Uh, do you have a, a number you want to put on at Sage tonight for a score, just so we have something to look back on? Sure. I see the Vikings 27-17. Uh, 
winning 27 to 24. Uh, and part of that 27 is a defensive or special teams touchdown to help out that offense. Hey, that, that was one of their greatest assets last year was that special teams unit. Jerick McKinnon probably returning kicks, Marcus Sherrill's returning punts. All right, Sage, enjoy the game tonight. Full discussion about it coming up on Wednesday. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, at Sage Rosenfels18. You can find him on Twitter. You can find me at Sam Ekstrom. You can find that piece about the Saints defense at zonecoverage.com. Thanks so much for listening. Hope everyone enjoys the game tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.